0: Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. I don't know about you, but I really love hymns. And, you know, the modern church throws out all the hymns, but the old school church throws out all the new songs. And so today I just want you to know that, that whenever we're listening to music, whether it's the hymnal or on the radio or a worship song, we have to make sure that the lyrics line up with the Word of God. And the cool thing about the hymns, when you start to study hymnology and and study the history behind some of these hymns, you find out that that God used some of these men and women in years past in a great way. And you'll find that sometimes the, the new songs that we sing and sometimes other songs as well don't really promote the theology found in the Word of God. But this song that I'm about to share with you is on 344 in your hymnal. So if you want to open up your songbook there, I just want to, by means of introduction, show this song to you. Maybe you've heard this song before. 344 maybe you haven't it's a song that we sing occasionally around here and this song talks about God's grace so today if I want to label my thoughts today with anything I have four words today and that's this God's grace is greater God's grace is greater. So if you walk away with anything today in this message of service, I want you to walk away with the central thought that God's grace is greater. It's greater than anything you can ever face and anything this life has to offer. God's grace is greater. Now look at this song. It says, it says, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there were the blood of the Lamb. Was spilt. Look at verse 2. It says, Sin and despair, like the sea waves cold, threaten the soul with infinite loss. Now check it out now. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Now the chorus says, Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than our sin. If you turn back a page to 343, of course, we all know who John Newton was. We all know which song he wrote. And this song right here is a song that that has really changed and revolutionized the church for many, many years. It says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. One of my favorite modern hymn writers or songwriters is Chris Tomlin, and he added a chorus to this hymn. And the chorus says, My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. I share all that to say this, that when we come to this chapter, when we come to Titus chapter 2, th- the theme of these verses is the grace of God. And I want you to know this, that the one who's writing this book, Paul the Apostle, experienced God's grace in an amazing way, just like John Newton and just like some of the hymn writers that we read about. I- I- if you got your Bibles, maybe you can take note of this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that resurrection chapter. It tells us, you know, yes, that Jesus rose again, and yes, we believe that, and yes, we we sing about that. Yes, we worship God for that matter. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 10, the Bible says that Paul is who he is by the grace of God. Imagine a man who was out killing Christians, a man who was on his way to Damascus on Damascus Road, and God sent down his light to change him for all eternity. And he was out killing people who called themselves Christians. So the greatest persecutor of the church becomes the greatest proclaimer for the church. Talk about the grace of God. So you might say, well, well, you don't understand what I've done, Brother Brian. You don't understand what, what, what I've got going on in my life right now. Listen, none of us here today are worse than the Apostle Paul. Hear me well today. Paul killed people. Paul was seeking people's lives all because they lifted up the name of Jesus. And the last time I checked, none of us here have gone on a killing spree and murdered a whole bunch of people because they worship Jesus. Today, there is hope in your life. Whether you've got sin in it or whether you haven't confessed that sin, God's grace is greater than your sin. And God wants to forgive you. So if you're here today and you've never experienced the grace of God, maybe you don't have a Damascus Road experience like Paul. Well, today's your day to cry out to God and say, God, forgive me. I have sinned. Today, I want to just share with you five promises in this passage about the grace of God. I like what one preacher said. He said that God's grace It is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's really all it is. The the theological definition of grace is the unmerited love and favor of God. So as we come to God's grace, we know that to obtain God's grace, it is all a gift and it is nothing that we can do. Listen, you can learn how to play the upright bass. You can learn how to play the guitar. You can learn how to play the piano. You can learn to play every instrument underneath the sun and play it and sing it and use it for God's glory, but that is not going to get you to heaven. God's grace is a gift that has been freely given to all of us and today I want to share with you these five promises in scripture right here in this passage about God's grace but before I do remember Paul's reminding Titus this young soldier and comrade of the Christian faith going to the island of Crete to, to share about God's grace and God commissioned Titus to go into to this island of Crete in the Mediterranean Sea to tell people about God's grace and in like manner God is commissioning you and God is commissioning me to go into our world right here in Roanoke and tell people about the goodness and grace of Almighty God. Look at verse 11. It says, for the grace, say grace with me, grace, say it again please, grace, one more time, grace for the grace of God that brings, say this next word with me, salvation has appeared to all men. My first thought for you today, the first promise is this, God's grace provides the promise of salvation. God's grace provides the promise of salvation. The Bible says that God's grace brings salvation, and this grace and this salvation has appeared to all men. Now I begin to think about this in my life. I begin to think about this in the scripture. I'm like, well, what, what, could, what could Paul be possibly talking about here in verse 11? Well, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because the Bible, I believe, is, is right here pointing back to the cross about the virgin birth, about how Jesus came and he lived a sinless and perfect and spotless life. And 2,000 years ago, he went to the cross and he placed your sins and my sins there while he was hanging on that cross. treacherous cross, and there he cried out to God, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in that moment, God's grace collided with God's wrath, and now we can experience salvation through Him. Jesus paid it all, and all to Him we owe, as the songwriter said. You say, I just don't have a whole lot to offer to Jesus. Yes, you do. you got the life that you're living right now. And God can take your short little life of 70, 80, or give or take a few years, and He can take that just like He multiplied the five loaves of bread and those two fishes and fed the thousands. God can take your life and He can reach the multitudes. God can take our church and reach the multitudes if we will do it. You know, it's interesting. This word salvation is the same word that was used in Luke chapter 2. Remember, Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the place of worship and there's a man by the name of Simeon. You ever heard of Simeon? He's a really cool character in the New Testament. And in Luke's gospel, he talks about this. And when Simeon, he received a vision that he would see the Messiah. And he's there in this place of worship in that temple. And then the the Messiah comes in the form of a, a little lad named Jesus. And they bring him into this place of worship. And Simeon says, I have seen the salvation of the Lord. In Acts chapter 28, verse 28, it's the same word that the Bible says in the very last chapter of the book of Acts about how the salvation, God's message of redemption and love and grace is going to not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Then in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the Bible talks about the helmet of salvation. Same word being used right here in Titus. Chapter 11. And I want you to know that this word salvation, it literally means a defender. And today, we have the accuser of the brethren, Satan. Has he ever been knocking on your door before? Well... Maybe, maybe some of y'all are perfect, and, and you, know, you don't have to struggle with temptation and sin like me. But, but I know that there's times in my life that that old devil, he comes knocking at my door, and he says, you know, God doesn't really love you because you've done some things in your past, and you've sinned, and, and, and listen, God doesn't really want His grace to be upon you. I have to pause and say, listen, old devil, why don't you get thee behind me, Satan, and let me share with you what Jesus said. He said, the Bible says, that God so loved the world... That's me, and that's everybody here, and that he gave his only begotten son, that Jesus died because he loved me, and he rose again to give us life and and have it more abundantly. I want you to know this. God's grace provides the promise of salvation. And listen, we we can't earn it, and we surely don't deserve it. I know sometimes we get cleaned up pretty good, you know. I wore this nice fancy tie that, that somebody gave me, so thank you to... To the lady who gave it to me, it says, "They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary." Listen, we can get all cleaned up for church. We can get our fancy shoes on and and have the crease down, you know, right here on the side of your of your dress shirt, and and we can look all nice, prime, and proper. But I want you to know this. That you can look all fancy on the outside and look all hideous on the inside. And God wants to get a hold of our heart. And he wants to clean us from the inside out. And the way he can do that is by a personal relationship with him. You know, I heard Michael Yusuf share a a story about a man who decided that he he didn't need Jesus. And he was going to lay down the bottle. And he didn't need it. Jesus to help him lay down the bottle. And so he went out on a crusade telling everybody how he didn't need Jesus and he didn't need all that good grace of God and and he was able to lay down the bottle. And sure, for a season of his life he did. But on his deathbed, he was addicted to alcohol. Today, you might have discipline in your life to lay down certain things. But the only way you can lay it down for eternity is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God's grace provides the promise of salvation now let's, let's look at verse number 12 i wrote down secondly god's grace provides the promise of sanctification god's grace provides the promise of sanctification remember paul said i am what i am by the grace of god so i once was a murderer but now i am a master server of jesus christ and and here he, he Jesus came and made him holy and sanctified him. So today, I want you to know this, that, that sure, you could stop saying every swear word underneath the book and you could start, you know, drinking Holy Ghost of water, you know, from the, from the Earth Fair store, uh, you know, that, that, that'll cost you $50 million, you know, you can, you can get all that nice and stuff, but, but listen, that's not gonna change you. What's gonna change you is Jesus and his Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that's what's missing in a lot of churches today is the Holy Spirit of God. We, we, we devise all these programs like we've got going today and they're good and they're, they're great. But I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes we, we get all these things planned on our calendar and we forget to ask God to say, God, come in and send your spirit in our midst. Here the Bible says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. This word deny, it literally means to reject or refuse. You know, I guess most of you have heard about it already, I guess. uh, We got a letter from the fire marshal's office. And, uh, you know, I saw it and uh, I said, yeah, it's probably not that important. So I had a lot of other things to do that I thought was more important. You know, like preparing sermons and visiting the sick and praying over people. But apparently the fire marshal thought it was pretty important. So one Wednesday night, I heard a lot loud bang at that door as I was getting ready for church. And so he comes in and we get it get inspected, and we were we we violated the Roanoke County's law in 14 areas. That's why these uh, curtains are no longer with us. So they've kicked the bucket and said goodbye. It's why the plants up here are gone and a few other things. But but Lord willing, you know we're gonna pass all this stuff. But I want you to know this: that to deny it means. Fuse, and just as as the fire marshal will come in and inspect a facility and deny certain areas how it's how it's been violated listen i want you to know this that we've all violated god's commandment all of us have sinned the bible says and and nobody is perfect apart from jesus and here it says to us to deny just as a, somebody would come in and, and and deny certain things the bible says we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust the word ungodliness literally means wickedness Worldly lust, it means a sensual desire that is forbidden by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. God wants us to lay these things aside and to live soberly. That means in a right state of mind, in a sober, in a sound state of mind. It says righteously. That means to live right in God's sight. And then godly means to live like God. (laughs) How many times have... Have we been in services and we've lifted up our hands in worship and we've said, oh God, you're amazing. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you know, you see old brother so-and-so out somewhere where old brother so-and-so shouldn't be doing something that old brother so-and-so should not be. Then you see old sister Sadducee running that lips and talking about everybody underneath the sun, gossiping and slandering and everything. You know, the Bible says here that the only way we can lay aside this stuff is by the grace of God. The only way we can be more like Jesus is to daily fill our cup with His Word and daily get Him to empower us with our spirit and daily live for Him. Sanctification, yes, it is a one-time event that happens in your life. But then it's a process for the rest of your life to be made more like Him. Each day, let's get in our faces before God and say, Oh God! Make me more like you. Oh God, cleanse me from my sin. And help me to live the way you want me to live. God's grace is greater, church. May I share with you a third thought today? From verse number 13. I like this verse. Because the promise in the New Testament about something that's coming in the very near future. I wrote down thirdly. God's grace provides the promise of the second coming. God's grace provides the promise of the second coming. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I have a confession to make. I I do have an addiction, okay? I have an addiction to Chipotle. I'll admit it today. I've got an addiction to it. So if you want to help fuel that addiction around my birthday, why don't you send me a gift card? (laughs) You know, sometime back, I was at Chipotle, just sweeping in just to grab a lunch. You know, I like it because I can get in and go out real fast and go about my daily routine. And, and I saw somebody there that I knew, and uh, they invited me to eat lunch with them. And so three hours later, you know, I was finally leaving Chipotle. And in that conversation, in that conversation you know, it was very interesting. I, I, I discovered somebody who believed in what's called a partial rapture view. And here the Bible says looking for that blessed hope. So we are to be, as a believer, we are to be looking and anticipating and awaiting for the second coming of Christ. But what was about to be shared with me really, really rocked my world. Uh, Because I was looking at this family and they looked at me and said, Brian, because you're involved in, in a church like that you're involved in and believing certain ways that you believe, you are not going up in the rapture. I said, all right, well, I guess if I'm not going up in the rapture, everybody in my church is not going up either, oh, yeah. <laughs> except <laughs> Brother Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> so there's five views of the rapture. You got pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, um, partial, and then none, okay? We hold to a pre-trib view that before the tribulation period, the rapture is going to take place, and we can talk about that more in details. But the view that I was introduced that day is called the partial rapture, and this means that if you're not living a holy life that is separated from sin and to God and looking for Jesus to return, then you're not going to go up in the rapture. And and I thought to myself, well, all 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 right, yeah. What about Corinthians? I mean, have you read the book of Corinthians? I mean, you had a young man living in a sexually immoral relationship with his (laughs) stepmama. Talk about a messed up world. We had people in that church who were practicing homosexuals who have been redeemed and changed. We had all this carnal, sinful stuff going on in the church of Corinth. And in the 15th chapter, you know what Paul says? He says, we all shall be changed. We all, in a twinkling of a moment, shall be caught up. He said the same thing to the church of Thessalonica. So I want you to know this, that here... Yes, we're all to be anticipating the second coming and the rapture. And we're all going to go up, whether you're backslidden in your faith or whether you're living so close to God, you can smell his breath, respectively. Here, the Bible says looking. And today, I want you to know this, that, that, that... that even if you're a child of God and you're, you're trying to live for Him and you're not quite living every day as if He could come back today, which the Bible teaches it's imminent and it could happen in any moment. So we need to be looking for Him every single day. That even if you're not doing that, you're still going to go up in the rapture. But that does not mean you can live in sin that grace may abound. Jesus said in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, that He is preparing a place for us. And he is coming back to receive us so we can go and spend eternity with him. Extra, extra. Hear all about it. Jesus Christ is coming back again. I know Hollywood. I know uh, this world. I know all these celebrities and, and I know all these crazy people in our world do not want to hear the fact that Jesus is going to come back. But listen, I am crazy enough to believe the Bible. I'm crazy enough to believe that this Bible is the greatest truth in all the world, and God's grace teaches us that He is coming back again. You know why? I believe God's grace is teaching us this is because one of these days this world is going to get so, it's just going to get waxer it's going to get worse and worse, the Bible says, and thank God He's going to come back and fix it all. Yes, I would like world peace, but I know only Jesus can bring that. Yes, I would like everybody to live a holy life with jesus and everybody to get saved but the reality is is not everybody's going to do that but one day jesus is going to fix all the problems that we've made on this earth and there is no problem that jesus cannot fix now that i got all that out of my system let's move on to verse number 14 (laughs) verse 14 i wrote down fourthly god's grace provides the promise of redemption god's grace provides the promise of redemption It says, who gave himself. This word gave, it literally means someone who willingly laid down their life. Jesus didn't have to. He chose to. He says, for us. Paul says, he didn't just do it for me. He didn't just do it for you, Titus. He did it for all of us. He says, that he might redeem. Say redeem with me. Redeem. Say it again, please. Redeem. This word literally means to buy back. So there was a time in your life, there was a time in my life when we were in complete bondage to sin. And Jesus stepped in. And by the price of his blood, he paid for it. He goes on to say, to redeem us from not just some, but all. All iniquity. So sex outside of marriage, pornography, adultery, homosexuality, lying, stealing, rape, incest, prostitution, sex trafficking, every sin that you could ever imagine, murder, cold blood murder. Right here the Bible says, all iniquity he came to buy us back from. It says, and purify unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I like this word, purify. This is the same word that's used in First John. In First John chapter 1, verse 7, it talks about how the blood of Jesus Christ is able to cleanse us from all of our sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word cleanse, it literally means to purify. Jesus can take the most disgusting water that you've ever seen and he can purify it and make it clean have you ever stepped in dirty water the dirtiest water that i've ever been in was at the dead sea in israel some of you guys might have been been there before but i want you to know this that when i was ankle deep ankle deep ankle deep okay remember i said ankle deep and i couldn't see my toes (laughs) dirty water but jesus can take somebody's life that is even dirtier than the dead sea and cleanse it and purify it. Today, redemption is a promise from the grace of God. But now I want to share with you lastly from verse 15. It says, These things speak and exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I wrote down this final thought. God's grace provides the promise of exhortation. God's grace provides the promise of exhortation. You know, some of you guys might know young josh frost here he sent me a text message the other day and here's what he sent me and i had to share it it says this satan gives you what you want but god gives you what you need i'm telling you that'll preach i told him i was going to use it i didn't know i'd use it today but but anyways i want you to know this that that satan will promise you anything that you want and he'll deliver you nothing but God will promise to you everything that you need and give you more than what you'll ever need. And here the Bible says it, it means to exhort. And this, this word exhort, it means that, that we're going to stand up and we're going to share the word of God with people when we want to hear it and when we don't want to hear it, and when we need to hear it. And so listen, the Bible says here that Titus is going to this Crete, this island of Crete, and he's going there to exhort them. And there's times that, that he has to share God's word. And there's going to be times that some people in his congregation are going to be living the way that Paul is, is, is rejecting. And he says, hey, 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 Titus, they're not going to want to receive it sometimes, but you got to give it to them because it's the word of God. And then there's going to be times where he has to rebuke them to say, hey, I love you in Jesus' name, but you've got to get right with God. All of us. I am tired of pastors and churches living for themselves. I, 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 you know what I want us to see here at Clearbrook? Is that I want us to live for Jesus and only for Him. And if we do that, I believe God will have His blessing on our church. This is, not about, this is not a place about me or the head deacon. This is a place... It's all about the head of the church, and his name is King Jesus. And God's grace is greater. In verse number 11, the Bible reveals to us that God promises salvation through his grace. In verse 12, the Bible promises us that we can live a sanctified life as a result of God's grace. That that Jesus is coming again because of God's grace. That we can have redemption from every sin we've ever committed. And that there's times that we need to be exhorted from the Word of God. Today I close with this quote. From Martin Lloyd-Jones. I am a Christian solely and entirely because of the grace of God. And not because of anything that I have thought or said or done. God's grace is greater. Hey, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbryanratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.